climate change has always been exposing us to toxic chemicals and things like that. And so what you, you can only measure what you track. You can only address what you can measure. And mm. we're not currently tracking the externalities that we're exposed to from climate change and things like that and from our everyday life that actually increase burden of disease that affect patient outcomes. And so that's really the message that I talk about in my book. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and tech to peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Today is all about healthcare, population, and how do we make a significant impact on the world? Meet Urvashi Bhatnagar, MBA. She's a healthcare executive whose career spans clinical care, research, advocacy, and strategy and operations consulting for leading healthcare organizations. As a mission-driven population health and sustainability expert, she has over a decade of healthcare leadership experience working with clients to advance health outcomes in underserved communities, leveraging advanced analytics and strategy to address barriers to care, advancing health equity, and improving access to life-altering, high-quality care. Patnagar holds an MBA from Yale University and a doctorate of physical therapy from Boston University. She believes global wellness can be achieved through sustained and intentional investment in products and processes that are designed to be inherently sustainable and capturing value from the triple bottom line advantages that sustainability offers. Thank you very, very much for being here, Arvashi. Um, you know, we, we're, we're going to have such a fun time talking about your why and you're dealing with such fascinating subjects in leadership and sustainability and healthcare and their intersection, both in and out of your of of your work. And so it's it, you know a lot to uncover here. But Urvashi, tell me a little bit about sort of how how is healthcare and sustainability been a part of your life? Why, why are these two elements that are that are very center to sort of your work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll say broadly, uh, climate change is a public health crisis. And uh, although not part of mainstream communication yet, and I think that's what we're trying to affect, is that um, climate change is sending our kids to the emergency room. It's making all of us sicker, whether you're thinking about it in terms of air quality and things like that, or you think about the externalities of our economic activities and how exposure to toxic chemicals and things like that over our lifespan introduces various, you know, uh, toxins into our system and microplastics and therefore increases burden of disease, right? And so, mm-hmm. uh, so I think that's the central theme or my mission statement professionally is to uh, affect a change um, in the way we operate in healthcare um, to take a leading role in addressing climate change uh, because it does have a significant health impact. And so it needs to be recognized more broadly as a, as a public health crisis. Um, so that's one. 
Um, and I'll say personally, um, or rather professionally in my day-to-day life, um, really my focus is at the intersection of, I'd say, data analytics and population health, which is basically uh, looking at large data sets of populations and understanding their trends for disease, their risk factors, how we can affect change, um, would upfronting, you know, lifestyle modification choices and things like that um, improve their overall well-being? Would providing prescriptions for social determiners of health, would addressing health equity uh, help improve their outcomes? Would um, more specific things like catching you know, if we're seeing trends for uh, onset of certain diseases um, and perhaps a person hasn't been or that population subset hasn't been diagnosed with that yet, but we see trends towards that direction, can upfronting a visit with their doctor or um, can interaction with a pharmacist uh, change the course of their case management or care management? Rather, so these are broadly the big issues that I focus on, and I think the healthcare industry is doing a great job of making progress along these lens now. But what we really need to do is look forward into the next fifty to one hundred years and say, climate change has always been exposing us to toxic chemicals and things like that, and so. What you, you can only measure what you track. You can only address what you can measure. And mm. we're not currently tracking the externalities that we're exposed to from climate change and things like that and from our everyday life that actually increase burden of disease that affect patient outcomes. And so that's really the message that I talk about in my book. And that's. That's my point. Right. It's a it's a perfect segue to the sustainability scorecard. But before that, I, I think that you and I share, you know, some similar notions and interests in, you know, things that have to do with massive scale, population level impact, uh, those types of worlds. It, it's not a hugely common, you know, perspective on on how do we how do we think through strategies that will impact populations at scale. How how did you figure out that that is sort of where you want to be positioned right now, rather than in traditional care and traditional health, where you know it's more individualistic, it's more on a group level, not on a population level? Where, where did that interest or fascination come from? Yeah, um, it's honestly uh, that's what has shaped my career trajectory. I started out at the individual level um, when I started my career. Um, I was treating individual patients. Um, I was managing a clinic ultimately and then managing several. Um, and it's that trajectory that sort of influenced my understanding of, you know, affecting change for broader and broader subsets of patients when you start seeing trends, when you start saying, for example, oh, I'm seeing that there is, uh, you know, I, I noticed vestibular issues with patients that may have whiplash uh, from a car accident and things like that. And maybe we should also assess for this. And so these are the kind of trends that you see when you are an individual clinical practitioner, um, where you start 
making notes for yourself and learning and saying, we, we should also address this. I have noticed these trends in the past X years of my practice. And I've read research papers that advise we look into topic ABC during an assessment. But I think that opportunity to scale out even further and zoom out and say, wow, uh, this person is part of a broader population. And not only are they affected by, you know, their particular disease condition and their comorbidities, but also there's other factors like social and environmental health. There's health equity issues that you may not recognize when you are at the ground level. And so I found that exciting. Um, I loved the fact that I was, I had that ground level experience and the interaction for a long time with my patients because it helped me better design care at the 50,000 foot level. Um, and so that's just, it helped me find purpose or renewed purpose in what I was doing. Um, and found it very intellectually stimulating to see how we can better design care for larger subsets of the population and really look at things like what will care management look like 50 to 100 Hmm. years from now? What will healthcare systems look like? And how will payers be thinking about all of this, right? Right. The exciting thing is to be able to design the future or attempt to design the future in some way so that it's better than what we have now. I I love that. So let's talk a little bit about strategies for scaling sustainability. You you mentioned before sort of this, um, you know, rationalization uh, of tracking and measuring and being able to track and measure what we do. I'm guessing that that's a that's a piece of it. But, you know, how how are you thinking through some broader strategies for for, you know, the um, sustainability scorecard, if you will? Yeah. Well, um, my co-author, Paul Anastas, likes to say we've done things wrong for so long, there's nothing but opportunities. Um, but and, and so that's certainly one aspect of it. But the others, let's not ignore that there's fantastic work occurring on the ground and there's incredible researchers that are figuring out um, how to implement the latest research. Um, but that said, uh, I tend to think about it in uh, three separate areas in healthcare, I think about the payer world, the provider world, and I think about just public health in general. And mm-hmm. so in the, as it relates to data and analytics, these three worlds collide very often. And it's really an understanding, for example, if you're thinking about the provider world as in health systems, what are some of the solutions we can start to implement now that will really create a robust business case for change that will prove to leadership and to patients and providers that, you know, being sustainable is the way to go. And so, for example, when you think about green anesthesia, you know, um, it's actually, there's there's fantastic work occurring in the space at the University of Utah and Union Haven. Um, but uh, in specific cases, we found that, um, uh, there are many metrics that actually are the same as or surpass what traditional anesthesia would be able to do in terms of actual performance, whether it's wake up time and things like that, you know, the pain relieving factor and things like that. Um, but also these gases are green. And so once <laughs> they are released, um, they have 
they're they're benign to the environment and they're non-toxic to human health. And so you are not then concerned about the public health impact of all of these gases that are being released from your hospital and the surrounding community that lives near the hospital. Right. And so things like now, that. I have a question for you, Orvashi. So yeah. I, first of all, I had no idea that that was an issue. I had no idea that these gases emitted by hospitals were, you know, a concern to anybody, really. So this is new. Um, and I think that's that speaks a little bit to the magnitude of opportunity that you're that you're talking about, obviously. Um, but what, what is sort of the process of of being able to replace the traditional mechanisms with with green anesthesia? Is that require scientific research to come and say, we realize there's a potential for this, let's invent something new? Is it just migrating to another solution that we know we have already? H how do we get to the to these innovative products? Yeah, yeah. And I'll speak to it more broadly. I think that's where you're going. I think, I think that's the beauty of sustainability and about strategy in and of itself is that many systems today, not just in healthcare, function in silos. So your supply chain department may not be speaking to procurement and then manufacturing and marketing. These systems are not inherently connected to function in real time and update each other and work seamlessly, whether it's in a hospital or otherwise. And so what sustainability necessitates is that we all collaborate and what we propose in terms of scaling these kind of solutions is saying, have, let's have an executive committee come together that understands the enterprise at large and come down to a few use cases or one use case that would be interesting that can demonstrate success that we feel confident will demonstrate outcomes and identify the KPIs that we will, you know, consider success, right? And we'll measure success along. And so once those use cases are proven, then you're able to say, okay, I'd like to cascade either the revenue benefits out of that, the goodwill, the excitement, um, the health benefits to the surrounding community. Um, there, there's so many KPIs, but you're able to cascade those benefits onto future projects. And what happens is, and I've heard, I've heard leaders say this to me, which is, okay, we've exhausted our low-hanging fruit. Now we actually have to do something about the harder problems. And that's where I think we come to like the, to what you were asking, which mm -hmm. is at some point, um, lack of information or research meets the absolute necessity to commercialize promising tech. And that's where I think the real opportunity lies is investing in that future roadmap to understand that, you know, for example, at e-waste, there are some critical knowledge gaps that exist. How do we design out for certain key components in a microchip, like rare earth metals? What would be a cost-effective way to scale that um, and, and have a green alternative? I don't believe we have a robust answer to that yet. And that's where the research is required where the investment is required. And that's one of those things we can work towards while we are generating revenue from, from use cases that we can demonstrate success out of. So, how, so how, do we, how do we really incentivize leaders to put their finger on this? I mean, that's really the, the key question, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, the world runs on incentives. How do we make it, per, how do we make it crystal clear for leaders that it is in their best interest to go and invest in this in this research that will lead for for, for 
more optimal future? Through profitability. It's just simple. Um, I believe that, you know, profitability is going to demonstrate the value of green tech, green initiatives, everything that's going to be required in designing a better future. And so Mm -hmm. when you think about market leading firms and, you know, we write about Philips, for example, in the book, um, there are firms that are leading the charge because they understand that they're doing well today but they need to stay relevant in the next 50 to 100 years. They're already solving those problems. And that's the beauty of large firms, right? There are harder ships to turn if they're trying to implement sustainability today. However, they do have the scale and the capital to invest in the future. And that's perhaps where their greatest impact will lie in those kind of improvements. And then your smaller, more agile firms or startups and things like that can take a leading role in redesigning today and Mm -hmm. really addressing some of those use cases that are required to generate the value out of those climate change opportunities today. Uh, How how does your work uh, in in the day-to-day, you know, have to do with this? So how how does sort of your own career, all the way going back from your MBA at Yale and, uh, you know, in Boston, how, how do you see yourself integrating these worlds together? Yeah, Um, I see myself. So there's a few things. One is advocacy. It's really important for the awareness to improve among leaders. In healthcare particularly, um, we tend to believe that this is an inherently good, impactful profession. We're here because we want to help people. So obviously we're doing enough. And that's quite simply just not the case. And so it's really about changing the mindset and improving understanding um, throughout the organization for the changes that are required. Um, The second is actually affecting day-to-day operations. And so, for example, things like when peers or healthcare insurers, when they start asking really important questions like, um, it appears that we have a health equity issue. We have surprise visits coming from a certain high-risk population that is just not able to access care? How can we make high-quality care available to them so that we don't have really high total cost of care? This is this is a very real business case for payers across the country. And so when you start thinking creatively about that, that you say, okay, you are addressing ABC, but if you really want to capture the value you should be looking at social determiners of health. You should be looking at the things that this population is exposed to. That's what's going to refine your metrics on what is the true risk of this population subset and what are the true nudges that are going to change the course either of the behavior or the treatment, right? That's what's really going to prevent those surprise big ticket costs in that person's care. I love it. So, so let me pick your brain right before we finish here. If you had to think through, you know, pr- maybe the most exciting opportunity for a new entrepreneur that is now looking to start their own venture, not saying that's me, but maybe it's me. What, what, what is sort of the most exciting opportunity for you today for a new entrepreneur in your, in your life, in your field of work? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'll quote Mark Terpenning, who wrote our foreword, who uh, mentioned that there are thousands and thousands of opportunities 
and the market is littered with opportunities. Um, but I, I definitely think that if I was to invest in one area, um, or if I was personally to look into one area, it would be in the area of safer chemicals. I think green chemistry and how our products and processes are designed, um, are just not looked at either from an operations perspective or from an investment perspective. Um, we're not looking at the material inputs and how we just assume that there has to be a trade-off. Uh, hmm. we, absolutely have to have side effects and negative externalities of absolutely everything we produce. And that's just quite simply not the case. We wrote a whole book on it. And we've actually identified several areas where if people wanted to invest in the short term for near-time benefits, middle-term and long-term, what are some of the things you can look at in terms of green chemistry um, to design a better future, to create products that are inherently sustainable. Um, and we mentioned them in the book. There's some wonderful examples like Staples that bought the sustainable earth line of janitorial products. They're designed on the 12 principles of green chemistry, a uh, proven use case for sanitizing hospital systems. So you can imagine how effective they have to be, but they also, um, you know, reduced the, they improved the wellness of their clients. Uh, there were less workplace accidents. I mean, there were a great deal of benefits. Um, you look at firms like P2 Science in the cosmetic space, where you look at Airco Vodka, that decarbonizing or basically taking carbon out of thin air and turning it into vodka. Um, this is all leverages this promising tech and all leverages the principles of scaling sustainability um, to create those inherently green products. Incredible. Incredible. Urvashi, I, I loved our conversation and the, the inspiration to think on a global scale, population scale, um, and, and then what, you know, what are, you know, really, you know, with the main idea that, you know, the opportunities are just here. It's in our, it's in our economic incentive. It's in our futuristic incentive for our future generations. And, uh, and thank you very much for, for both for spending your life uh, dealing with this, but also for sharing these 20 minutes with me. So thank you very, very much, Urvashi, and uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you, you too.